you see him? Hold your Bible up. If you see someone that don't have a Bible up, go run and get next to them. If someone is visiting and they don't know, because I think I'm going to just read a lot of scripture today. Amen. I know you're probably going to say, well, Bishop didn't preach today. He didn't run up and down the aisle. He didn't walk through the pews. And I'm going to preach the scriptures. <laughs> the scriptures. I might not talk much faster than I'm talking now, but I guarantee you we're going to see some scripture today. So don't, uh, if you don't really know where I am, you need to get somebody next to you or somebody needs to look around and see you that's familiar with how to get to the scriptures. Somebody that doesn't need a table of contents. Do I have, I'm not knocking anybody because I know everybody doesn't know the Bible. But I'd have anybody here don't need a table of contents to, contents to go find a book. But when you look around, you see somebody that's not quite there yet, you go get with them. Because I'm going to be moving along. But I want you to see what the Bible says. Because the saints, if we don't believe this, then we are believing a lie. Amen. So let's start in the New Testament in the book of Matthew. I do thank God also for our lovely mothers in Zion, for my companion, Mother Geddes, and all of our church mothers who are here, Mother Denton and Mother South and Mother uh, Watson, amen, Mother Williams, Mother Austin, Mother Huey is already uh, down in the Southland. She went for a funeral. Let's pray for her that the Lord will comfort her and the rest of her family at this time in the name of the Lord. Thank God for all of you, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the name of Jesus. Did I say chapter 24? Matthew 24. And I want to begin reading around verse 36, and I'm asking everybody to look over there so at least we can start together. I hope we can stay together. But let's see what the Bible says. Chapter 24 of the Gospel according to Matthew, and let's begin reading at verse 36. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking here, and Matthew is recording his words. He says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, Marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore. For ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this. That if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come. He would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Verse 44 
Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Simple subject today, simple title. Be prepared. Be prepared. Keep your fingers here in Matthew 24. We're going to examine some scriptures and Matthew and Luke. How many of you are old enough to uh, Deacon Revere held his hand up already? <laughs> See, I got some traveling companions, those older ones. But here's where I was going. Deke trusts what I was about to say. How many of you are old enough to remember the, the Y2K craze? Everybody was talking about year 2000. Some of you a little younger, you may not know. What was that all about? Well, for those of you that weren't alive in the 90s, or if you were alive, you didn't even hardly know you were alive and what was going on in the world. That's happened to us all at some point. Uh, we, we hit a pivotal time, at least people thought we were hitting a pivotal time in the history of the world. And uh, because we had become so dependent upon our computer systems, it dawned on somebody that these computer systems might have a problem in going from the 1990s to the new millennium, to the year 2000 and beyond. See, here was the problem. Because I was back there in those days, and we were building computer systems, and we were making the same kind of silly mistakes for a while. But only I had actually encountered this in a decade session in this little town way over there where I used to work years ago. Well, here was the problem. We were storing dates in the computers in two-digit form. Two-digit month, two-digit day, problem, two-digit year. That's great until you come to the change of the century. Many a calculation done in the computer that related to years focused on those two digits. And if you're doing mathematics and let's say something simple like subtraction and you're trying to determine someone's age and it is 1999, and you subtract 30 from 99 because we didn't put 1999, we just put 99. So when you subtracted 30 from 99, you got what? Some of y'all didn't say nothing. You got 69. Is that right? But what happens when you subtract 30 from 00? zero? So the world was in an uproar. The planet's going to stop. All of our systems that depend on computer technology are going to be confused. Our calculations are going to be wrong. The food chain is going to stop. Travel's going to stop. We're going to be in crisis mode. 
And uh, I was part of that era. And we were spending all kinds of money to get companies to come in to help us to change the computer systems. And we were being told by the government. And you know, there's always people out there that are scary. You know, if you say boop, they about jump out of their skin. Some people, they just like to be, excuse me, I'm, I'm going to make a point here in a while, but it reminds me of that old children's film, uh, The Lion King. Lion King. Lion King, they had those hyenas, and they were afraid of Mufasa. And when they said Mufasa, they said, Woo! you got some people like that right now, even in the church. Everything. <laughs> They seem like they like to shiver. Amen. Hallelujah. So the scare tactic folk were telling us, you got to buy some water, and you got to buy some batteries, you got to have flashlights, you got to go out and buy food, and right, remember all that? And I was, I was buying me some water too. And I know, I'm sure some of you all were well, we getting all this kind of stuff to get ready for the end of the world. <laughs> I had me some five-gallon water things in my basement. Them things sat there so long because the world didn't end. <laughs> Till after a while they started leaking, I had to get them things out of there. People had food. They were building bunkers. They were going down in the ground. Canned food. And you still got folk like that now. Saints, even. Hallelujah. All rations. For the end of the world. Well, we, we kind of got the computers straightened out. Managed the situation. The year 2000 came. Folks down in New York, the ball fell. and All around the world. We're still here. <laughs> we're still here. Well, that was a kind of false scare, but it could have been a problem if preparation wasn't made. Preparation did have to be made, and that's one of the reasons why it didn't turn into anywhere near the potential catastrophe that it could have been. People are living now, taking a look at what's going on in our world. For those of you that use the internet for the little bit that it is really worth using for. Amen. And that is not to be like a woodpecker poking your nose in everybody's business on social media. That is an absolute waste of your time. The Bible says, you all turn over there real quick. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. I haven't even gotten my motor started good yet. But I want you to see this. Because, you know, we behave one way until we know the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. This that I'm going to read should be in your Bible. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. 
to do your own business the way we would say it in the vernacular is mind your own business. But we've allowed technology to give us an excuse to disobey the word of God. You don't need to know everything about everybody because you don't even know if what you're looking at is even true. I'm sure you have enough personal business that you focus on the things you should be focusing on. You would find that the age-old saying that the old folks used to say is still true. We've got 12 months in a year. Six months to mind your business and six months to leave other people's alone. But the social media has gotten us so crazed until we have young people now wanting to commit suicide because they don't see enough thumbs up, just thumbs down. You need to get off of that insanity if it's bothering you like that. I remember teaching years ago in the church, making examples about things that somebody could walk up to you and say, I hate you. You don't know the person from Adam. You're just walking down the street and they're walking in the other direction. They come, I hate you. And you look at them like they're crazy. Like, okay, well, that, that's what you want to do. Fine, you keep getting up and you wouldn't lose one wink of sleep because you didn't know them. What difference does it make how they feel about you? You just learned something about them. They're crazy. That's how crazy people talk. But now we're so tied in virtually to a group of people around the world we know nothing about till if they got their thumbs up or their thumbs down, it affects us. Why? Put that thing down and pick this up. Don't you know that's nothing but a systematic tool by the devil to distract you from what you really should be looking at? The word of God. Hallelujah. So folk are confused today. The world is in turmoil. There's no doubt about it. Some of y'all know everything that's going on with people that you don't know, but you don't even know what the weather forecast is for tomorrow. And you should want to know that, especially if you've got to send your children out to school. You want them properly attired. You don't know what's going on in various parts of the world or what's even going on in our, these United States that you should want to know. But you're worried about somebody somewhere you don't know and what they think about you. Who cares? Who cares? But we know, if those of us that listen to the news and see what's going on, that this is a crazy day. The world is confused. There's a sense of anarchy, which is just disorder and mayhem and a sense of apathy. A bunch of folk around that are indifferent and they just don't care about nobody but them. And there's also gross apostasy. Folks just drifting further and further away from God and his word. And his word. That's what's going on now. But people that are looking at what's going on in the world are expecting that something catastrophic, something cataclysmic is about to happen. And some still think it's going to be World War III and some nuclear holocaust or Armageddon. And some are thinking that, well, I know what's going to happen. The world economic system is going to collapse. And our money is not going to be worth anything. And we're going to have to use bitcoins.
and others are bothering themselves, thinking that what's going to emerge is a one-world government. And as the President Bush used to say, a new world order. Well, rather than enter into high speculation about foolishness, why don't we stay in the word of the Lord? Because therein lies truth and certainty. And so I will tell you this for a fact, according to the word of the Lord. We are about to experience, experience something very significant in the history of the world. And that is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with all I say today, I'm trying to get you to understand that you and I need to be prepared for this next great event. Praise the Lord. And it's not like we don't know about making preparation in life because sometimes we do. We make preparation if we have a new infant that's going to be born into the family. We acquire an education in hopes that it will uh, enable us to get a better paying job and launch a good career. We want to go on vacation sometime and so we put our little money aside and we save it so we can go someplace that's real nice and have an enjoyable, relaxing vacation. Some folk want to get married and so they prepare for that. Some people plan on retiring. We had a wonderful celebration on yesterday, some of us. And so, in order to retire, you've got to prepare for that. Even if you plan on dying, or you don't plan on dying, you're going to die. And you need to prepare for that. And don't look at me. Because we do everything almost in this church to help you understand the inevitable, and how you ought to prepare for it. So my expectation is that you have insurance. I didn't say assurance that we're going to, that you have insurance, life insurance, so that when you die, you won't be talking to Deacon Turner from the grave. You better have your own money, your own burial plot, your own casket, your own clothes, whatever you need. Now's the time. Amen. Amen. Not many people are preparing for the inevitable return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to Luke chapter 21. But Jesus warns us against becoming so busy. That's the problem. We have become so busy with the affairs of life. Temporal things at that. That we forget to prepare for the eternal things. And so if you look in that 21st chapter of the gospel according to Luke. And you'll. Let your eyes fall upon verses 34 and 35. 
you will find these words that our Lord speaks. And he says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day, what day is that? The coming of the Lord. And so that day uh, come upon you unawares, touches you by total surprise. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Praise the Lord. And so the truth is this. Jesus is coming again. Look at John's gospel chapter 14. Beginning at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or translated in the vernacular rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again. Hallelujah. And receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Is that in your Bible? All right, well, turn to the first chapter of the book of Acts. Because Jesus is coming again. He was already here once, wasn't he? He came as a babe born in Bethlehem in a stable, they say. And he lived here for 33 years. He was the Messiah, the anointed one of God who came into the world to save us from our sins. And he went to the cross suffering, bleeding, and dying as the sacrifice for our sins. He was our substitute. He took our place. And he died on that cross. And he was buried. But on the third day after being buried, he arose again from the dead. Hallelujah. And he ascended back into the heavens to offer his blood as the atonement for our sins. And then he came here and he stayed for 40 more days delivering to his disciples the gospel so that anyone that hears and believes could receive forgiveness of sins and be saved. Praise the Lord. But he left after that. And that's what the book of Acts tells us in chapter 1, verse 9. He took his disciples out to a special place. And the Bible says in verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they, his disciples, beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Any of you ever watch a balloon go up in the air? And just watch it for a while. That's, that's similar to what happened. Maybe faster, but that's the, these disciples watched Jesus the Christ ascend into the heavens without a rocket, without an airplane, without any uh, temporal apparatus. He ascended into the heavens till they could see him no more. A cloud, the Bible says, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. 
which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's coming again. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Jesus is coming. Praise the Lord. And he is going to take his church out of the world. Amen. Now, what do we know about his second coming? Well, turn back to the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. Matthew 24. And let's see what we know about his second coming. Well, the first thing we know is it's going to be sudden. Matthew 24 verse 27 says this. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be instantaneous. Just like you see lightning flash on the heavens. That is likened to the quickness with which our Lord shall come. Verse 44, which is part of our text. Amen. The Bible says to us that we need to be ready. Right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For as in an hour that we think not, the Lord is coming again. Amen. He's coming and he's going to catch some folk by surprise. Even some who were preparing or are prepared or waiting for him. Because we don't know the day nor the hour. Amen. We are going to be busy. We should be busy doing the right thing, doing what we ought to do. Amen. But at a time that is not even we're not even focusing on. In a moment, Paul says in the book of Corinthians chapter 15, in the twinkling of an eye, while you are living in a flash, he's going to come and take the church out of the world. So if you look at Luke chapter 17, amen, and you'll follow me over to verse 34. You see that the word of the Lord tells you this. Jesus said, I tell you, in that night before shall two men, uh, shall, two, shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. In other words, somebody's going to be ready, somebody's not. The one that's ready is going to be taken. Praise the Lord. The one that's not is going to be and stay in the bed. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, one's going to be ready, and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Even the ones that are taken, they knew the Lord was coming, praise the Lord, and they prepared. But it's going to happen so quick until they're here one moment and literally gone the next. This is why I am, amen, encouraging you today to be prepared. Hallelujah to the Lord. So there are some signs that will give us a clue that the Lord's coming is very, very near. And if you turn over to that 24th chapter of the book of Matthew again, I want to share some things with you. Here's a few signs. I'm just going to talk about them categorically. First of all, before the Lord comes, there's going to be this swell of false teachers and false prophets. Praise the Lord. 
There are so many lies being told today under the banner of religion until it's got most people thoroughly confused because they don't really read the scriptures. They don't know the word of God. And as I say to you so often, if you don't know the truth, you will not know a lie. Thank God that there is absolute truth. The worldly philosophers may not believe that there is absolute truth, but they're liars. The scripture says forever, O Lord, thy word. The words of scripture are settled in heaven. Jesus said before one jot or tittle of his word shall fail. Heaven and earth has got to pass away. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. There is truth. God is truth. His word is truth. The Bible says, let every man be a liar, but let God be true. If you don't know the Lord and you don't know his word, it will be easy for you to be deceived. And that's what's going on in our day and time. False prophets are rising up. They're teaching such things like the prosperity doctrine. That if you really are saved, you're going to be prosperous. Materially, they're speaking. Not necessarily so. Many a truly saved person has died poor. Poor according to the world's standards regarding material goods, but rich in their soul and rich unto God. You see, things in life do not bring happiness. They certainly do not bring joy. They bring no lasting satisfaction. Momentary gratification is about all that you can get out of things in life. And the more we are bombarded with information, the more bored we become with things. We're always looking, our brains are being rewired, looking for something new, looking for a new flash. You ever notice how many things flash in front of your face when you watch the television? No scene seems to be long enough to develop a theme or to add to the theme. You're just being flashed, flashed, flashed. Your brain is just running wild. We get bored easy with that kind of developing, that kind of mentality. And so even if you do get something new, people are happy with it for a while and then they're bored. And then they want to move. I've never heard such a day when young people so I'm not picking on you, I'm just talking the fact. Hey Amen. Every time you turn around, they're bored. How can you be bored reading through something like the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? How can you be bored picking up classics, classics that God has used, amen, for men to develop and write about? You read those materials. You study something until you really get it down pat. How can you be bored doing that? Hallelujah. How can you be bored with the word of God, which is so deep and rich in truth? Hallelujah. To bless us and nourish us and feed us spiritually and make us alive. Hallelujah. But now gain is godliness. And we have new rules that are being developed for old situations. Huh? Now folks are getting married, maybe. Divorcing almost definitely. Finding somebody else. Huh? 
Families have been redefined. Things that we don't like, we give them a new label. So they're palatable now. Huh? Very few preachers will even use the word sin. Huh? Very few people will even say the word lie. We've got these new euphemisms now. A lie is misrepresentation of the truth. Lie is easier. Three letters. You lie. Hallelujah. You want four letters? If you lie, you're a liar. Let's get rid of this stuff. I don't know how many times some of y'all have been listening to me for a long time. I'll never forget years ago when I was a young fella, sometime I had to take stuff to the dump when I lived with my parents. And I would package some of that stinky stuff up. I'd put it in the back of the old station wagon. I'd go down to the dump and I'd back the car into the dump where you could go right in there and let the tailgate down and you can get out and throw stuff. But that place was stinky. It was so bad I didn't want to even breathe in the air. So I'd back the old station wagon up, and before I got out, I'd hold my breath. I'd let the tailgate down and grab the bags and throw that trash and stuff in the big cement pit there. And I'd close the tailgate, jump back in the car, step on the gas, and get out of there. And then I would take a breath. Inevitably, some of that stink would still be in your nostrils. So I didn't get the full effect, but I knew where I was. I was in a stinky place. But one day it dawned on me that as I was looking over to the side, there was a fellow in there who was running the equipment. That was his job. So he had to be in there eight hours. And I saw him take the wrapping off his sandwich and grab his sandwich and just munch on that sandwich like he was in a high-class restaurant. Here I am, can hardly breathe, but he could eat his sandwich and he could drink. And it didn't bother him because he stayed in there so long he got used to it. And that's what's happened in our day and time. People have stayed in sin so long until righteousness seems wrong and unrighteousness seems right. And I wish I could say it's just the last generation, but I see folk my age and older that have lost their minds. Right is still right, according to the Bible, and wrong is still wrong, according to the Bible. Nothing has changed. So because we rename it, that doesn't make it right. Because we give these fancy euphemisms, it doesn't make it right. Hallelujah. The Bible says there'll be wars and rumors of wars in that 24th chapter of the book of Matthew. If you look at verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Right? Now we see that happening today, don't we? For those of you, again, that are paying attention to the news and not whether somebody's thumb is up or down and they like your picture. Syria, ethnic cleansing, Afghanistan, still fighting in Iraq, Somalia, threatenings from North Korea, Yemeni, 
has civil war going on right now. The Mexican drug war is still raging. Many, many, many other conflicts in the world happening right now, like Jesus said would happen. We have uh, nation against nation is ethnic. We got ethnicities against each other. Not just nationalities, but ethnicities against each other. We've got a rise in immorality that's going on in our world. More and more unfaithful husbands and unfaithful wives in our country. Praise the Lord. We've got this LBGT community huh, that's rising up out of the ashes to say that something that God condemned in the book of Genesis is all right now. It's wrong for a man to love a man the way he loves a woman. It's wrong for a woman to love a woman the way a woman should love a man. This, according to the scriptures, is against nature. It's not normal. We've allowed educated people because they have degrees behind their name to convince us that we are born this way. No, according to the Bible, he made them male and female. He didn't make anything in between in any species. Hallelujah. And the purpose was for procreation. No two men can have a baby. No two women can have a baby unless you get science involved to do the unthinkable. To do the incredible. To do the unacceptable. We've gone beyond now, amen, what we can do because we can do more things now than we could do years ago. The question now is, should we do it? And for the ungodly people, as far as they're concerned, they want to press the limit. When does it become adultery? When does artificial insemination become adultery? Because they didn't physically come together, that means it's not adultery. Be prepared. Be prepared. This world is getting worse and worse. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in that 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 7b, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Is it not happening in our day and time? Despite all the production of food that we can produce, we have farmers that are being paid not to grow food. Amen. We've got too much, but yet in some parts of the world, some people don't have enough to eat. And even in some parts of these United States, some people don't have enough to eat. Disease is running rampant. And I'm not just talking about a common cold. In some cases, the worst situation are these venereal diseases. People practicing fornication. The Bible says they're sinning against their own bodies. We used to be taught out of the word of God that a young man should keep himself until he gets married. And that a young lady should keep herself until she gets married. They should not be having sexual relations unmarried. It's wrong. 
according to the Bible, it's wrong. And you don't feel good about it. Because we know right from wrong because God gave us a conscience. But we're told today that the free love started with some of us who are young back in the 60s. These folks going around to anybody they want to. And the stuff is still going on. And it's gotten worse. And they're sinning against their bodies. Because he that committed fornication, Paul said, to the church of Corinth, sinneth against his own body. And so we've got these venereal diseases. And I don't know if some of you all remember Dr. James Dobson, who used to head up Focus on the Family years ago. Back in the, in the 80s, and early 80s, he was crying against human papillomavirus. Now, just now, the medical community is starting to acknowledge that it is here. And it's the reason why a lot of young ladies cannot have children. Because promiscuous living causes you to sin against your own body. And these diseases come upon you. And they're horrible. Syphilis and gonorrhea. Human papillomavirus. AIDS. And a plethora of others. But what happens in our society? We've got politicians that are so smart who've denied the truth of God's word till, amen, it's trickled down into your children's educational system. They want to give them condoms. They want to give them birth control. They want to give them the morning after pill because they're, they're saying that they cannot abstain. If somebody lock you up in prison, you will abstain. Hallelujah. I can't stop smoking. If they throw you in prison and lock the door and give you no cigarettes, you will stop smoking. See, when you get things in your mind, though, and these educated buffoons tell you that you must sin. Oh, no. Hallelujah. What you must do is repent from your sins. And then you're going to get something that's going to keep you from sin, even though it's all around you. You know, we serve a God that, 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 that put fish in salt water. Huh? And you can catch them and clean them and scale them and fry them up. But if you really want to taste him to taste like something, you can't have somebody in the north cook. You got to take it down south where the people know how to cook. Are they up here in this bland, huh? Beer batter country. You got to go down south if you want to taste good food. You got to go out in the west where they know how to barbecue. This up north is bland food. Everything tastes like the hospital. <laughs> but if you want that old fish that was in that salty water to taste good, sometimes you got to sprinkle a little salt on them while you're cooking them. Praise the Lord. Isn't it remarkable that he was swimming around in the salt water all that time and the salt didn't permeate his flesh to the point that you couldn't eat him because he was too salty. If God can keep a fish in salty water and his flesh is not full of salt, he can keep you in the midst of this sinful and untoward generation and you not be full of sin. Somebody say, God is great. God is great. 
two years ago, there were at least 36 earthquakes around the world. This year already, we're not even quite in the fourth quarter already, there's already 31. I know everybody's waiting for California to fall off, but there's earthquakes happening everywhere. Some years ago, my wife and I, a few years ago, we were down in New Haven. And where I was and where she was are two different places on the, in the same property. But she felt the ground shake. Where I was, that building I was in, I didn't feel the ground shake. But where she was, she felt the ground shake and she was not the only one. Because some people think because they live in the Northeast, nothing can happen to them. But snow and ice. Ground shakes here too. That ground started shaking just around Richmond, Virginia, and shook up through the East Coast. They had to shut down the Washington Monument in D.C., and they had to close the National Cathedral because those buildings in particular, and I'm sure many others, were damaged because we experienced an earthquake on the East Coast. But earthquakes are becoming more and more frequent let somebody tell you it's because of global warming. It's because the word of God is being fulfilled. The Bible said there would be earthquakes in various places prior to Jesus' coming. Amen. I've talked to you about this rise in immorality that's manifesting itself. It's so bad now until folks are confused. They don't know whether they're male or female. We're telling these children it's all right to feel, you know, the other way. You know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I think I was a child. I think I was a child. But I didn't think about such things as a child. Sex didn't bother me as a child. The boys usually didn't really want to play with the girls too much. And the girls wanted to be with themselves. They didn't even play with the boys too much. But we never thought about each other in unclean ways. Now we're telling these children that I know you're a boy, but you're really a girl. Do we get this stuff in their heads? And you're a girl, but you know you really feel like a boy, don't you? And then we start dressing them. No, we used to be told when I was coming along, if you got if you're a boy and you got in your mother's high heels, get those high heels off, boy. You're a boy. You don't wear high heels. If my, my, my wife sees some of our grandsons fooling around with her shoes, and get out of them shoes. Now we say, well, they'll probably put those shoes. Now here they are, a year and a half, can barely walk on flat feet good. We got them in high heels. And, well, that must be an indication that he feels like a woman. No, he's a child. He don't know. You're a, an adult and a parent. Teach them what they need to know. That's your job. Not to go down to Toys R Us and buy them a whole bunch of toys. It's your job to teach them the way of the Lord. You can't depend on the world. It's your job. You can't depend on the church alone. It's your job. Your house is messed up. You can't blame nobody but yourself. So we saw a little boy walking in a woman's shoe. We made him get out. Huh? Or a little girl trying to put on her daddy's tie. Oh, no. 
We made sure there was a separation because that's how God made us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all still with me? But now we got these educated folks. I remember a brother some years ago, one of the first brothers I knew in the church to get his uh, doctorate. And he would call it, he would call his colleagues pumpkin head dummies. He was a humble man, but he was very, very smart, intelligent. And he got his PhD and before word processing. I got his book in my office, all typed. In the days when you made a mistake, you'd have to take the carbon and pull it back and erase the sheet behind the carbon and erase the mistake on your front page and put it back together and retype it in exactly the same spot. Otherwise, you had to rip it all up and start all over again. Isn't technology great? People had to work in those days. Amen. But these folks are telling us now it's all right for your boy to come to school in a dress or a skirt or your daughter to come in pants to cut her hair down. I see these folks now, they got one side shaved and the other side growing long. Now people have green hair. Purple hair, blue hair. Yeah, I, I used to just see that in the comics when I was a kid. Comic life has come to become real life. Green hair, blue hair, purple hair. And everybody's just happy about it. It's wrong. It's fake. Do you not know God does not like fake things? He likes real things. Be real. Be prepared. This stuff is coming upon us, saints. We're looking at all of this happening right before our eyes. Be prepared. Hallelujah. Pornography running wild. You, when I was a kid, you had a, they had a special movie house. You used to have the three X's. Is that right, Deke? You still with me? All right. I'm meditating over there. Three X's. You knew that was, the, that was the place to stay from. You see them old rascals, old rascals, I'm about broken down. They going into that filthy place. Because that's what we, you know, society looked at it as a filthy place. You know, we had bad names for these brothels and all that kind of stuff. Now, it's right in the house. Through the television and the internet, it's right in the house. And it doesn't seem to bother people. All these degradating things that destroy the human spirit are, are held up now for general consumption. And it's ruining us. And it's ruining our children. It seems like few people seem to care. But God said to his preacher, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet in Zion. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob 
their sins. I'm not here to help make you happy. I'm here to help you be saved. I want you to be prepared for the inevitable second coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. More and more dirt coming out about Catholic priests. And you know the fallacy of it? It was acting like, oh, this just happened. This has been a mess ever since they made laws uh, centuries ago because Catholic priests used to marry and have children. Then somebody, one of them popes, came up with a cuckoo idea that they were going to take a vow of celibacy and not get married. I guarantee you, ever since then, till this day and time, there have been probably millions because this has been going on for a long time throughout the world that have been abused and molested by Catholic priests. And not only that, these priests and these nuns have been having sex for years. In New York, in some of the big cities, places like that, they would have to come into these convents and clean out the sewer systems because they would have babies and flush them down the toilet. It's been going on for years. When my parents were young, it was going on. When your parents were young, when your great-great-grandparents were young, that stuff was going on. It's just finally now coming to the light. It's a messy situation. It's not normal for a man to be banned from marrying or a woman banned from marrying the Bible talks about it Paul said in the last days they would forbid to marry what do you think you're talking about them and anybody else that follows that the Bible's still right so we've created this mess and now we act like we don't know how to get out of it. And you know what happens? Now that the Catholic Church is such, you know, such scrutiny like this, this is just what that swirling devil wants. He pulls together these other hypocrites called the media so they can swoop down on these priests in the Catholic Church and some of these hypocritin politicians who want to make a name for themselves so they can swoop down on this stinky mess and act like they're trying to reveal it and the, the ignorant masses will think, oh, we're so glad these people uncovered it. This was talked about in the Bible already. But they have a lot of nerve because some of them are worse. Some of the people pulling off the covers of others are worse. Hypocrites shining a light on the hypocrites. Look at all the big men that have come, fallen now with the Me Too movement. They're falling like flies. This stuff didn't just happen over the last two years. These men have been abusing these women for centuries. They haven't been keeping their hands off them for centuries. And just to have a balanced view, there's been women who have tried to get a, a, a higher place, a better place, using their bodies for centuries. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Hallelujah. But we're in a stupor now because we love pleasure. 
more than we love God. It seems like the things that people ought to care about, they don't really care about it anymore. And the things that they should poo-poo, that's important to them now. So we don't care that our world is being destroyed with sin and right around us. And if we're not careful, we'll be destroyed by it. Because I'm telling you, saints, the Bible says, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. You know, God got so... Uh, one of the, 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 the verses of Scripture that breaks my heart, I think the saddest verse of Scripture is Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where the Bible says, And it repented God that he made man for to dwell on the face of the earth. We broke the heart of God. He was sorry he ever formed Adam, put him to sleep, took a rib out, and made Eve. He said, because the world, the earth, he said, is full of violence. And their minds are corrupt. All they think about is corrupt stuff. And that's why he decided, after seeing just one man who had faith in him, a fellow named Noah, that's why he decided to destroy everything else and start all over again. The problem was that new start had certain symbolic truths that relate to salvation, but it was not the ultimate answer, and God knew. It's just that he knew things couldn't go on even to our day and time. We couldn't last till Jesus could come if he didn't put a halt on it. Because the earth was full of violence. It sounds like he's talking about our day. It's full of violence. People are fierce. They're angry. They drive angry. Huh? They're mean and vicious. Everybody wants to act like they're white earth now. Huh? You look at them wrong. Yeah. Fix that. We got so many folk being killed, at least being reported now. It was always happening, but it wasn't reported. But now everybody's telling everything now. Because the scripture got to be fulfilled. We got to see that the scripture got to be fulfilled. So even in these things, God is using it to show that his word is true. It's not happening behind the covers anymore. He's opening the doors so we can see that the scriptures are being fulfilled because he's coming and we need to be prepared. Huh? But now it don't take much for somebody to pang and then say, I feared for my life. In my day, it was just a punch. Worst case, maybe it was a stab. But you didn't have everybody walking around like they came from out west. You didn't have Wyatt Earp and Master Dillon walking around everybody, huh? And the man that played with the shotgun, the rifle man. I'm saying something wrong with guns. I'm not necessarily saying something wrong with guns. Something wrong with us. And if something wrong with your head, you don't need a gun. If the minute you get upset with somebody, your answer is to shoot them. Something wrong with you. But we're getting to the place now, we're starting to accept that. Murder. Murder is being accepted. We found euphemisms through this stuff, through the law, that makes it acceptable now. It wasn't murder, it was manslaughter. In the 10th degree. 
I looked at him. He was coming around the corner. It was dark. And, and I said, who are you? And he didn't answer. So I, I shot him. This is crazy. The earth is full of violence. I tell you, young men, I've been telling you all this for years. I haven't said it lately. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. The world that we're living in now, you need to be home at a good hour. I don't care if you are grown. Don't fool around and be out there midnight, later on. I know you might be going to get a cup of coffee. Best thing to do is get yourself a Keurig and make it at home. Used to be a time when kids could get there, they'd ride around a little bit, you know. Maybe they should have been home then too, but at least I mean, you know, they didn't have to worry about being killed. But our society's gone crazy. And see, the problem is, if you've been born in the insanity, it's normal to you. But some of us were born before it got this bad. And it's exponentially worse than when we were little children. When I was a little child and it came time for school, my parents fed us. and Yeah, they fed us. The school didn't. They fed us. And we got our little books and our bag and we went to school. We walked. Sometimes literally, I'm not exaggerating, a mile or more, we walked. And my parents never worried about somebody snatching us. We walked for years to school in the morning, back home for lunch, back for the afternoon session, back home, and I never, nobody ever stopped the wind, well, put the window down because they didn't have no buttons. Roll it down and say, hey, come here, boy. I got a candy for you. Nobody ever stopped me. I had a paper route for years. Papers had to be delivered by 6.30 in the morning. It's dark and cold in the wintertime. Nobody ever tried to get me to come in the car. But I wouldn't let any of my grandchildren, if their parents can't get them, then I'm going to take them. Because this is a crazy time. I'm not letting them walk too far anywhere by themselves. Because the world's a different place now. It's a dangerous place. The Bible said it would be so. Because wickedness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Folks are fearful and hateful now. And disrespectful. Just disrespect authority is a sign of demon possession. No submission now. No humility. Back in the days of Judges where the Bible said every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's where we are now. People are defining right from their perspective. Because since there's no absolute right or wrong, it's all relative. It's all it's a lie. Amen. Look at verse 36 of chapter 24. We've talked about some things we know. I'm going to wind up here soon. I want to completely inundate you. This is probably a three or four part sermon. But chapter 24, let me show you something we don't know. Verse 36. Opening verse of our text today. But of that day. That day is the coming of the Lord. The return of Jesus Christ. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven but my father only. He's coming. He's coming sudden. 
It's going to even catch those prepared by surprise because they're going to be going about their normal good deeds, good duties. And in a moment of a twinkling of an eye, in a flash, they're going to be gone from this world. But I'll tell you this, if you're not ready, you will not be taken back with the Lord. You must be prepared. Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to shake yourself from the distractions of the world and say, wait a minute. Something is needful here. I'm allowing things that really don't matter in the long run to take up an awful lot of my time to grab my attention and none of them are contributing to me living in a state of readiness for the coming of the Lord. My calendar is full. I'm running hither and yon. Huh? I've got more to do than I really should be doing. And I'm paying no attention to the preparation of my soul. I say this to those of you who have blessed to be born again. Do you not know that's the end, just the beginning? When you've repented of your sins, as everyone must, if you went to enter the kingdom of God, when you've truly repented. Because the reason why some of you all have yet to receive the Holy Ghost is because you are slick as somebody that got oil on them. You're not going to receive the Holy Ghost until you repent. We can stand over you and call Jesus all day. And you can call him too. But you're, but you're not going to receive the Holy Ghost until you repent. Because when you truly repent, it don't take long. I didn't say you weren't going to receive the Holy Ghost until you're baptized. Baptism is absolutely essential. But we have evidence in Scripture that some people have received the Holy Ghost even before they were baptized in the water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But even after receiving the Holy Ghost, evidence by speaking with other tongues as the Spirit give utterance, they had to be baptized also. Because Jesus said, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit. In John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 5, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. But no one receives the Holy Ghost without repenting. And it's gotten so bad in this day and time until folks start to wonder, can I receive the Holy Ghost? Does the, is the Holy Ghost still given? It's given to everyone who will repent and believe. Everyone who repents and believes can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise from the Lord. But if you're still slick and you got stuff going on on the side, you, you, you're basically a hypocrite. That's the bottom line. If you're a hypocrite, if you're two-faced, if you're one way in here, got another thing going on out there, if you're hooking up huh, with people that you shouldn't be hooking up with, praise the Lord. If you all got something going on, you're both going to end up in hell if you don't repent. Even if everybody never found out about it, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. This is Bible. This is not my saying. This is scripture. Beholding the good and the evil. Amen. So you can fool me. That's not too hard. But you will never fool God. He sees you. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. He knows your heart. That's why you haven't gotten anything yet, because he knows. 
But I guarantee you, the moment you really repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Let me come, stop keeping up this facade. Let me stop playing around and playing the game and trying to fool everybody. The moment you thoroughly repent, here comes a rushing mighty wind of the spirit to fill you and transform your life. I ought to have a witness in here, amen, with somebody to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. They didn't receive it until they truly repented. They didn't receive it until they thoroughly repented. They didn't receive it until they gave up everything. You got to give up everything for Jesus. He's that precious pearl that was in the field. You ain't going to hang on to Harry and have the Holy Ghost too. You're not going to be a liar and have the Holy Ghost too. You're not going to sleep around and have the Holy Ghost too. No way. No way. And some of y'all never did get the Holy Ghost. That's why you can't live a nickel's worth of dog meat. You're slick and you're deceitful. But when you repent. Hey, hey, hey. When you get to the place where you say, I don't care who knows. All I want is Jesus. Tell the whole world. Get on the news. Tell everybody. Because if I can get rid of this weight of sin and receive the Holy Ghost, I'll be all right. I just want to be prepared. I don't need to put on a show for anybody. I want to be prepared. I don't want nobody to know. I don't know, if they, they, I don't, I, I don't know what they're going to think about. Nobody really wants to be embarrassed. That's human. Nobody wants to be shamed. But that's what sin does. Sin shames you. Sin brings guilt. But you don't have to continue to be ashamed. And you don't have to be filled with guilt. But you've got to take your medicine and do it right. And let me tell you something else. I don't care how long the list is. It don't take all day to repent. Jesus said, the day you hear my voice, don't be stubborn anymore. Harden not your heart. Glory to God. The minute you say, Lord, it's me. Huh? Let me stop blaming him. Let me stop blaming her. Let me stop blaming them. It's me. Hallelujah. You get broken up good, I tell you, the Lord designed us where the tears are starting to fall. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. When you really repent, I don't care how proud you are. When you dump your pride, the tears are starting to fall again because your heart is getting tender towards God. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. You stop being so concerned about what other people think and what they feel. They don't have a heaven or hell for you. You got to get right with God. And if it means getting right with everybody, you're happy to do it. And if it means getting right in front of everybody, you're happy to do it because you want to be prepared. Because if any man or woman for that matter, be in Christ Jesus. You're a new creation. That old mess, 
passed away is gone. Hey! Hallelujah. And you become a new creature. No, you won't be able to say I never did that, but you can say I don't do it no more. I don't live that way no more. I don't talk that way no more. I don't go those places no more. I don't think that way anymore. Huh? That's the way I used to be. But since Jesus came and changed my life completely, since Jesus came and took my sins away, I'm glad he came. I was miserable. I was miserable. I was miserable being a hypocrite in the church. But since he came and changed me, if I haven't gotten anybody in here who's really saved, do you remember how it felt when he changed you? Do you remember how you felt when that burden of sin was taken from you? Do you remember the joy and the freedom? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the first time, shame was gone. Guilt was gone. You didn't have to walk around with your head down and try to put on and, uh, anymore. You could walk upright. Hallelujah. You know, you had the same feeling you have when you're obeying the law, the vehicle laws. And, and, and you look in your rearview mirror and the lights flash. You don't go, Aah! If you're obeying the speed limit, you're obeying the laws, the road. All you look to do is say, let me, I know he can't be coming after me because I haven't broken the law. So let me let him by. Or her, whoever, let me let them by. Huh? You don't huh, get to the right and fall in the ditch. Jump out of the car and go hide somewhere. Because you didn't break the law. You just pull over and let him go by. When the siren, wham, 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 your heart don't skip beats because you haven't broken the law. Folks that don't like my preaching are folks that are guilty and don't want to repent. They don't like me and they don't like what I preach, but it don't make a difference. Keep coming. Because the word is going to win. Hallelujah. Do you hear me? This word that I preach is going to win. Sometime you're going to come in here and the power of God moving through me is going to break you. Keep on coming. We're going to pray until the foundations of your demon stuff is shaken and cracked. Keep on coming. Plenty more word where this come from. Because the word is like a fire. It's like a hammer. I'm going to get you. That's right. After a while, I'm going to get you. Because I got the hook out there in the water. You're going to come in here one of these times I'm preaching and bite the hook. And I'm going to reel you in to Jesus. Then you'll love me. But whether you do or not, I ain't going to hate you. Or mistreat you. Because I want to be prepared. Come on, Mr. Ham. 
Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody say it like you mean it. Thank you, Jesus. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. If you if you if you getting ready, get your neighbor by the hand. Say, neighbor, I'm getting ready. I'm going to be with the Lord forever. Somebody say forever. Somebody say that. Amen. If you're getting ready here, amen. Why don't you say forever? 